0: Chapter Seventeen of the Loudwater Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by O. One Two Three. The Loudwater Mystery by Edgar Japson. Chapter Seventeen. Mr. Flexen shrugged his shoulders with a skeptical air. He had informed a high opinion of Mr Carrington's intelligence. However, he followed him into his office and sat down, ready to give him his best attention. Mr Carrington wore a really hopeful expression, and he said, My idea is that we should get at Manley through Mrs. Manley. I am not at all keen on getting at a man through his wife, said Mr Flexon rather dolefully. But in this case, it's manifestly our duty to leave nothing untried. Murder for money is murder for money. I should think it was our duty, cried mr Carrington with emphasis. And there are three innocent people under suspicion of having committed the murder. Fire away. How is it to be done? said mr Flexen. The new Lord Loudwater must bring an action against Mrs. Manley for the return of the twelve thousand pounds on the ground that it was obtained from the late Lord Water by fraud, as it certainly was," said Mr. Carrington, leaning forward with shining eyes and speaking very distinctly. "'I see,' said Mr. Flexen, but his expression was not hopeful. "'Once we get her in the witness-box, we establish the fact that Lord Loudwater had made up his mind to have her allowance, for she will have to give the reason for her visiting him so late that night, and so we gave Manley's motive for committing the murder also as the least. "'I see. But will you be able to use her evidence in the first trial and the second? said Mr. Flexen doubtfully. "'That's the idea,' said Mr. Carrington triumphantly. "'You think it can be worked?' We can have a jolly good try at it, said Mr Carrington, rubbing his hands together, and his square, massive face was rather malignant in its triumph. Mr Flexen did not look triumphant or even hopeful. But will you get the new Lord Loudwater to bring this action? he said. Why, of course. There is the money for wanting, and when he sees how important it is from the point of view of getting at Manley, he can't refuse, said Mr Carrington confidently. There isn't the money, not necessarily. He might get back the twelve thousand pounds and have to pay Mrs. Manley six hundred a year for forty or fifty years. She is a healthy-looking woman. Said Mr. Flexen. I take it that the late Lord Loudwater had property of his own against which she could claim. Oh, of course she could do that. Said Mr. Carrington, and there was some diminution of the triumphant expression. "'She would,' said Mr. Flexen. "'Then you will have to get over his objection to incurring a considerable amount of odium. "'It will look bad for a man of his wealth to try to recover from a lady a sum of money "'to which every one will consider her entitled.' "'Oh, but it was obtained by fraud,' said Mr. Carrington. "'If you were sure approving that, it would make a difference in the way people would regard it. "'But you are not sure approving it, not by a long chalk.' and you can not assure your client that you are. There will be a lot of conflicting evidence about that signature, as Harrison pretty clearly showed. If you don't prove it, your client will be landed with the castes of the case, and incur still greater odium. Ah! But he is bound to take the risk to bring his cousin's murderer to justice," said Mr. Carrington. Easy, said Flexen dryly. What kind of terms was he on with his murdered cousin?" "'Well, I must say, I didn't expect you to ask that question,' said Mr. Carrington pantishly. "'What kind of terms was the late Lord Loudwater likely to be on with his heir?' He hated one another, like poison.' "'I thought as much,' said Mr. Flexen. "'And what kind of a man is the new man? Anything like his dead cousin?' "'Oh, well, all the Loudwaters are pretty much of a muchness. But the present man is a better man all round, better manners and better brains.' "'said Mr. Carrington. "'Better brains! "'And you think you will be willing to celebrate his succession to the peerage "'by a first-class scandal of this kind? "'A scandal which may bring him this money, "'but which will certainly bring odium on him,' said Mr. Flexon. "'When it's a case of bringing a murderer to justice,' said Mr. Carrington obstinately, "'the murderer of a man he hated like poison,' I should think that he would want to see his way pretty clear. And it isn't clear, not by any means. For there is precious little chance of Mrs. Manley's giving Lord Loudwater treat to have for allowance as the reason of a visit to him that night. In fact, there is no chance at all. Manley will see to that. Once I take the genuineness of that signature, and you open his eyes to his danger— she will come into the witness box with quite another reason for that visit, and a good reason too. Manley'll find it for her," said mr Flexen with conviction. "But there is the quarrel; she can't get over that quarrel," said mr Carrington stubbornly. "She will deny the quarrel; it's only mrs CARRIDOR'S word against hers. Besides, mrs Carrider's heard what she did hear through a closed door. It'll be so easy to make out that she made a mistake. "'You seem to take it for granted that Mrs. Manley will commit perjury at that young scoundrel's bidding,' snapped Mr. Carrington. "'I take it for granted that she will be a woman fighting to save her husband, and I'm also sure that there will be precious few mistakes and tactics made in the fight. I think that all you will get out of the trial will be a strong presumption "'that Lord Loudwater committed suicide. "'I would bet that that is the line Manly will take, "'and she will make a thundering good witness for him. "'She is a good-looking woman with plenty of intelligence.' "'Mr. Carrington gazed at him with unhappy eyes. "'His square-massive face had lost utterly its expression of triumph. "'But hang it all,' he cried. "'What are we going to do?' Knowing what we know, we can't sit still and do nothing. I can't see anything we can do, said Mr. Flexen frankly, and he rose. You have demonstrated that Manley's position is impregnable. He took his leave of the dejected lawyer. Outside Mr. Carrington's office, he stood still, hesitating. He could have caught a train back to Low Wycombe, but he could not bring himself to take it. He could not at once tear himself away from London and Mr. Manley. He must sleep on the new facts in the Loudwater case. He went to his club, engaged a bedroom, and dined there. Mr. and Mrs. Manley dined at their flat. Mr. Manley talked during dinner with elegance and vivacity. The maid brought in the coffee and went back to the kitchen. As he lighted his wife's cigarette, Mr. Manley said in a careless tone, what did Flaxen want to see you about? Helena gave him a full account of her interview with mister Flaxen, his questions and her answers. I guessed that you were the Daily Wire's mysterious woman, he said. I saw how frightened you were when it came out. But of course, as you didn't say anything about it, I didn't. That is so like you, she murmured. One human being should never intrude on another said Mr. Manley, with a noble air. "'It might be your motto,' she said, looking at him with admiring eyes. She paused. Then she added, "'And I was frightened, horribly frightened. I couldn't sleep. I was going to tell you about it, but I didn't like to. You gave me no opening. Then the letter came from my bankers, about the twelve thousand pounds, and it made it all right.' It made it clear that I had no reason to murder Loudwater, of course, said Mr. Manley, but in the event of any new developments, I should not admit that Lord Loudwater talked of helping your allowance, and that you quarrelled with him. In fact, I shouldn't let Flexen interview you again at all in an affair of this kind. You can't be too careful. I won't let him interview me again, said Helena with decision mr Flexen did not try to interview her again, but at eleven the next morning he called on mr Manley. He had very little hope of effecting anything by the call, though he meant to try, but he had the keenest desire to scrutinize him again, and carefully in the light of the new facts he had discovered. Mr Manley kept him waiting a while in the drawing room, then the maid ushered him into mr Manley's study. Mr Manley was sitting at a table, at walk on his play. He greeted Mr. Flaxen with a rather absent-minded air. Mr. Flexen surveyed him with very intent measuring eyes. At once he perceived that he had rather missed Mr. Manley's jaw in giving attention to his admirable forehead. It was, indeed, the jaw of a brute. He could see him drive the knife into Lord Loudwater and walk out of the smoking-room with an ugly, contented smile on his face. HE HAD LITTLE HOPES OF BRINGING OFF ANYTHING IN THE NATURE OF A BLUFF, BUT HE SAID, IN A RASPING TONE, WE HAVE DISCOVERED THAT THE SIGNATURE OF LORD Loudwater's LETTER OF INSTRUCTIONS TO HIS BANKERS TO PAY THAT CHECK FOR TWELVE THOUSAND POUNDS INTO YOUR WIFE'S ACCOUNT WAS FORGED. MR. MANLEY LOOKED AT HIM BLANKLY FOR A MOMENT. THERE WAS NO EXPRESSION AT ALL ON HIS FACE then it filled slowly with an expression of surprise. Rehearsed by Jove, murmured Mr. Flexen under his breath, and he couldn't help admiring the skilful management of that expression of surprise. It was so unhasty and natural. My dear fellow, what an art are you driving at? I saw him ride it myself, said Mr. Manley, in an indulgent tone. "'You forged it,' snapped Mr. Flexen. Mr. Manley looked at him with a new surprise, which changed slowly to pity. Then he said, in such a tone as one might use to an unreasonable child, "'My good chap, what an art should I forge it for?' "'You knew that he was going to have Mrs. Truslow's allowance. You were bent on marrying a woman with money.' You took this away of answering that she had money, forced the letter, and murdered Lord Loudwater, said Mr. Flexen, on a raising inflection. By Jove, I see what you are after. It shows how infernally silly a schoolboy joke can be. Lord Loudwater never talked of halving my wife's allowance. That was an invention of mine. I told her that he was doing so just to tease her. Said Mr. Manley firmly, with a note of contrition in his voice. Mr. Flexen opened his mouth a little way. It was a superb invention. It left Mrs. Manley free to go into the witness box to tell the story she had told him. It knocked the bottom clean out of Carrington's case. What really happened was that Lord Loudwater was grousing about the allowance, and being reminded every six months that he had behaved like a cat. I suggested that he should pay her a lump sum and be done with the business. He jumped at the idea. The cheque had come from a stockbroker's that morning. He directed me to write the letter of instructions to his bankers. I wrote it, and he signed it. There you have the whole business. "'I don't believe a word of it,' cried Mr. Flexen. Mr. Manley rose with an air of great dignity and said, "'My good chap!' I can excuse your temper. It was an ingenious theory, and it must be very annoying to have it upset. But I am fed up with this Loudwater business. I have got it here." He tapped a manuscript on the table. A drama worth fifty of it. Out of working hours, I don't mind talking that affair over with you. In them I won't. Mr. Flexen rose and said, you are undoubtedly the most accomplished scoundrel I have ever come across. If you will have it so, said mr Manley patiently. Then he smiled and added, Praise from an expert. They turned to see mrs Manley standing in the doorway, her lips parted, her eyes dilated in a growing consternation. She stepped forward. Mr Flexen slipped round her and fairly fled. She looked at mr Manley with horror-stricken eyes and said, "'What? What did he mean, Hubbard?' "'He meant what he said. "'But what it really means is that I won't let him hang that wretched James Hutchings,' said Mr. Manley with a noble air. Three months later, on the first night of Mr. Manley's play, Colonel Gray came upon Mr. Flexen in the lounge of the Haymarket, between the second and third acts. Both of them praised the play warmly, and there came a pause. Then Colonel Grace said, I suppose you have given up all hope of solving the problem of Loudwater's death. Oh, I solved it three months ago. It was manly, said Mr. Flexen. By Jove, said Colonel Grace softly. Not a doubt of it. I'll tell you all about it in one of these days, said Mr. Flexen for the bell rang to warn them that the third act was about to begin. In the corridor, Colonel Gray said, Queer that we should have dropped down dead in the street a week before this success. Well, he was discharged from the army for having a bad heart. But it is a bit queer, said Mr. Flexen. The male subguard, said Colonel Gray. Looks like it, said Mr. Flexen. And of Chapter seventeen And of the Loudwater Mystery by Edgar Japson